trying to do as he began this amazing book of, of Romans. Um, so let's go to Romans chapter 2. And as we're, as we're thinking about this, we got to remember chapter 1. In chapter 1, he's introducing himself. He's speaking, about, he's speaking to the church. And then he goes in verse 18 and talks about the wrath of God and, and the sinful world that they were living in, the Roman world. And if you know about the Roman world, even the philosophers thought the depravity is upon the city. People were divorcing. People were indulging themselves in debauchery and, and all kinds of wicked things. And many people have, have described Rome as, as also America is today, not to scare us. But essentially, Rome uh, fell not because of its military uh, weakness, but its mo morality was so weak that essentially, uh, as people were invading, there was too many drunk people to fight. As people were invading, people were so debaucherous and so fat so with, with, with different types of indulgences that they could not defend the city and essentially there was so much corruption in the government that people were getting paid off and essentially Rome fell not because of its military weakness but because of its moral weakness and it's it's a it's a it's a cautionary tale for us amen in America not that that's our goal is that we want America to always be around although we love this country we're grateful for God that that's given us freedom but I'm not here to talk about our freedom as Americans, as, as physical. I'm, I'm here to talk about our freedom from sin. And that's an even more terrible place to be, to be a slave to sin. And so I'm going to read a chunk of scripture right now that um, really, we, we read that verse 18, chapter 1, verse, you know, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, through that. I'm just going to, I'm going to read as in the context of the letter. So if we can follow along, I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture, okay? And, and, and that's going to be interesting to do because we haven't done that often. We usually go through it. Don't get bored. Well, I can't stop you from getting bored, but try not to get bored. <coughs> Listen, if you don't have a Bible, if you have a Bible, it's better to follow along. We're going to actually go to verse 18 and we're going to just read this big chunk of scripture, Okay. Let the word of God speak. And you'll see, essentially what's happening is, Paul is trying to say, whether you're Jewish or you're Gentile, which were the predominant populations, obviously, of this church, you, we all need Jesus Christ. Whether you're Jewish or Gentile, no one is righteous before God. Not even one person can stand alone before God and say, I'm good enough. I'm righteous enough. I don't need you, Jesus. But the world thinks, you ask 10 people, are you going to get to heaven? They're going to say, nine of them are going to say, I hope so. I've tried to be good enough to get there. I think I'm a good person. Everybody usually thinks they're a good person. Is that a normal thing to think? Yeah. Even people in prison, you say, are you a good person? They've done horrible crimes. Yes. I know I did that horrible crime, but I am a good person. Everyone believes that. And that is a lie from Satan. No one's good 
compared to God. All of us are unrighteous. There's goodness in us, and that's great. But it's, we're, we're not, it's not the, the, the goodness that's going to get us there. It's the sacrifice that's going to get us there. And so we're going to read this part. And I think as we read, I think you'll be struck with the fact that whether you're religious like the Jewish people or you're a Gentile like I was when I came to Christ, meaning just living wildly and crazy as a college student, we all are under the power of sin. Amen? Let's read verse 18. Chapter 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I just want to just recognize that no one has an excuse to not come to Christ. No one has an excuse to not believe in Jesus Christ. No one has an excuse to not believe that there is a God that lives on this earth, that lives and breathes and is in us and around us through the Holy Spirit because of the creation that we see. I remember, I remember I told you, I did a, a Bible discussion group one time on campus called God Doesn't Believe in Atheists. I don't believe there's any true atheists out there. They may say they're atheists, but when they're at funerals, they say, where did that person go? And in my sinful nature, I want to say, why do you care? You're an atheist. You know where they are. Well, I, I got to believe they're speaking somewhere. I got to believe they're still conscious. An atheist... That doesn't sound like an atheist to me. Sounds like a believer. Sounds like somebody who actually believes there's an afterlife. And you believe that there's an afterlife, you believe there's a God who controls that afterlife. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of immortal God to Images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles and movie stars and dollar bills and houses and yachts and 401k plants and popularity, security and money, bank accounts, men and women, relationships, pleasure. Verse 24, therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts <clears throat> to sexual impurity. Nothing else sells more than sex. I know we got kids here, so I'm not going to talk more about that. But there's a reason it sells, because we're depraved. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. 
Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to prave mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters. Man, imagine being called a God-hater. That's super intense. No one's ever said that to me. Hey, you're a God-hater. Whoa. But with our actions, amen? Not with our words. Insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. That's true. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. We got to be tolerant of all things. That's not what the Bible teaches. I'm not tolerant in the sense that I think it's okay to do. I love all people, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling great about it, about where this world's headed. Then he goes on and, and starts convicting the Jewish people because the Jewish are like, preach on, bro. Preach about those Gentiles, those dirty, stinky Gentiles, you know, and the Jewish people in the church are like, amen, when they're hearing this message, you know, we got to we got to help those dirty Gentiles clean up their act. The Jews are God's people. We're the ones that teach people. Even some Jews thought, well, no Jewish person would ever go to hell because Abraham is standing at the door of judgment saying, allowing no Jewish person to go to the dark place. That's what people believed. That Jewish people were untouchable. That they were God's people. And that's what they believed back then. And they are God's people. And God was amazingly patient with those people. So patient, in fact, that you read in the Old Testament. Who's read the whole Old Testament before all the way through? Lots of us, amen. It's great to be in a, 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 a church where we read our Bibles. And you go... Isn't that true everywhere? No. We're grateful for that we read our Bibles, that if I say something wrong, you know, Mario can go, hey, bro, that's not right, because we read our Bibles. But if you read the Old Testament, it's very frustrating, isn't it? Especially when you get to kings. Because then you keep reading about, there's a good king named Josiah, and there was a bad king. And then they did all bad things. And then there was a good king. And then there was like 500 years with bad kings. And then there was a good king. And they keep going back and forth. And, and, and Israel thought, well, we're God's people. That's why he's so patient with us. But in fact, God is patient with all of us. Not just with the Jews. Amen. He's not, he doesn't show favorites. And that's what Paul was trying to preach through this letter out of it. And so after he says all that about the Gentiles, you know, you got, you got people going, amen, bro. Keep preaching it. These Jewish people, and then all of a sudden, boom. You, therefore, have no excuse. He's speaking to the Jews. You who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you, you're condemning yourself. That's convicting, right? You know, they say when you point your finger at someone, three are pointing back at you. You ever notice that? I've heard that one time preached. I'm like, that's true. So three times the judgment. So if you're saying, hey, that's wrong, you do need to be repenting yourself in that area. Doesn't mean we don't speak up. You know, well, how can I ever speak up? Because I'm never an example of anything. No, we still need to speak up, but we have to hold ourselves to the same standard that we're talking about. Amen? Two, verse two, 
Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, he's talking about the Gentiles, them being the Gentiles, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Let's stop right there. God's kindness in your life. Just meditate on that for a second. How many times have you received something that you don't deserve? How many times did things look terrible and they worked out okay? You know, so many times that's happened in my life. Even as a disciple. I deserve judgment. I deserve to, to get things stripped from me. And yet God shows me kindness. And that's not meant to go, ooh, I got away with it. That's meant to go, I need to repent. I want to change. I got a second chance. I can, I can change. You know, I can grow. And I love this God so much that now it's not so much about doing the right thing. It's about pleasing this God who was kind to me. You know? Sometimes we wonder why God is kind to the wicked. Or God is kind to people that do bad things. It's because he wants to lead them to repentance. That grace and kindness and favor is more powerful, more long-lasting than fear and judgment and punishment. Verse 5. But because of your stubbornness... (laughs) He's getting into it. An unrepentant heart. You were storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who are persistent in doing good, seeking glory, honor, and mortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are seeking, uh, self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being. Who does evil? First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. Amen? And so, essentially, real quick, I got two points. The title of this message is Our Unfaithfulness, God's Faithfulness. Have you ever thought of yourself as an unfaithful person? It's kind of a weird thing to say about yourself. I'm unfaithful to God. How do you describe Glenn? Unfaithful. Compared to God's faithfulness, I am unfaithful. And yet I strive to be faithful. And every day I hope I get a little bit less unfaithful. But the truth is we're unfaithful compared to God's faithfulness. What's the scripture say in Joshua 21? Not one word of all God's good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All come to pass. When God says something, He always does it. When I say something, hopefully it's done. When I say, God, I'll never do this again, God takes that with a grain of salt and says, I I brought Jesus on earth so that I could fulfill what you just said. Maybe eventually you'll change. But right now, like Peter said to Jesus, I'll never deny you, Lord. 
Even if everyone falls away, I will never fall away. Man, isn't that convicting? And then Jesus says, I'm going to be faithful, Peter, even when you're not. Tonight, you're going to disown me three times. But I'll still be up on that cross. I'll still get up on that cross. God, I'll never do this. I'll always get to, I'm going to change this. And then the Lord says, you know, I'm still going to get up on that cross. I'm still going to die for you. I'm still going to have a backup plan. And amen for that. Amen. That's great. I'm so grateful for that backup plan. And so, you know, this is also a scripture. 2 Timothy 2.11. I just want to focus on this. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. This is a double-edged sword, this scripture. (laughs) Because if we're faithless, he's still going to be faithful to his word. Whether it be salvation or judgment. First point, all have sinned and all fall short of God's glory. We're going to look at that. And the second point is all, amen, can be justified freely. It's great news, right? Isn't this great news? This is awesome news. And we're going to get to this. But the Jews thought all Gentiles have sinned. (laughs) And, and, And I'm God's people already. And he was trying to help them understand this. But God doesn't show favorites, amen? amen? He never did. That's why Rahab got to be in the line of Jesus. That's why Bathsheba got to be in the line of Jesus. That's why Ruth, a, a Gentile, got to be in the line of Jesus. Rahab was a Gentile. God does not show favorites, amen? amen. But he had to use a people to describe. To, 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 to focus on so that the Savior of the world could come through it. Amen? Verse 12. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles do, do, do not have the law, but by nature uh, things required by the law, do by nature things required by law. They are, they are the law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They have shown the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences were also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and other times defending them. This will take place in the day when God's, God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew... If you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what superior because you have instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have the law and the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who commit, who, people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob idols? Do you rob temples? You who post in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Are you kidding me? Think about that for a second. What convicts me 
is that 2,000 years ago, people say this. Well, how can I become a Christian? There's so many hypocrites. There's so many judgmental people. Look at them picketing. Look at them doing these things. When I know that they're living sinful lives as well. It angers me that I could be blaspheming, being blasphemed among the Gentiles, among people who are not Christians because of my life. It will never happen. I will not let it happen. Because I bear the name of Christ. The only representative of Jesus Christ is you, church. And so your actions don't just impact yourself. People's salvations are on the line. Because when they don't see light from you, they blaspheme. They make excuses. And they'll be judged. But don't let you be an excuse for others to not be a Christian. And that's why your actions matter to people. It's a ripple effect. If you're like Jesus, it will ripple into eternity. If you're not like Jesus, it ripples into eternity. You know, I remember being on campus and, and, and I was all alone, not a lot of campus students. I was a young 18-year-old uh, boy, sunny boy, as, as my, my wife says. And, and I was contemplating whether I was going to go back into the world. I was a Christian. And I thought, I literally had this thought. I think the Spirit literally had this thought and gave it to me. Amen? You ever do that? We're like, this is way too wise and amazing for me to come up with this idea. Glenn, if you walk away from Christ, how many people that could you have helped will be lost? What about your friends, Glenn? You're a mess, right? You've got a lot of issues, Glenn. You've got a lot of you know, things that you've got to work out in your character, in your life. You've changed a lot, but you still have a lot to change. What if you don't continue on the narrow road? And if you enter the broad destruction road, what is going to happen to your friends? And I literally said, I'm not going to leave God because I realize my, my actions impact others. And praise God, it helps me. But as Christians, we can't just think about ourselves. And sometimes we do. Sometimes they think, well, you know, I'll just do this. And we think it doesn't impact the whole church, the whole world, the, all your friends. It does impact them. And that's what we cannot say. God's name will not be blasphemed among those that are not disciples. It will not be because of me. It might be because of someone else, but it's not going to be because of me. Because my life is on display. And I don't do it for others. I do it for Jesus first, but I do it for others. You know, it's both. But it's first for Jesus, then for others. Then for myself. <laughs> I'm the third guy. Verse 25. Circumcision has no value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as those that were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you are the written code of circumcision, are the lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is only outwardly, nor in circumcision mean outwardly and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. 
And circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from the other people, but from God. What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Would their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man be a liar. As it is written, so that you may have been proven right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our righteousness, unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Somehow, someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I condemned as a sinner? <laughs> you gotta love these Jewish people's arguments. Why not say, as some slanderous claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. So now, Paul, even it's hard for me to read Paul's letters sometimes. Yeah. I feel like I'm in, you know, uh, middle school sometimes. Glenn, will you please read the book? I'm like, oh no, what if I mess up? His words, are, it, it's... It's amazing reading Paul. Like if you read Romans 7, that's the funniest. When someone says, turn to Romans 7, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Watch him mess up. You know what I mean? If the good I ought to do, and I don't do the good I should do, and then if I do the good I should do, and I don't do the good, you're like, oh my goodness, what? Paul was a very brilliant man. And he was also inspired by Jesus when he wrote this. And, I'm sh and even Peter says, his letters are difficult to understand. I love Peter, you know. He's like a fisherman. I mean, I'm reading his letters. I'm like, what? You know, obviously he understood God's word. But one of the things that he's trying to say here is that the Jews need Jesus. The Jewish people need Jesus. And, and the question is, well, what about all the Gentiles that didn't hear God's word? What happens to them? And God said, the law in their hearts will be their judge. So the people long ago that didn't have the, 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 the Old Testament or the, the words of God, God, they're, they're going to be our brothers and sisters, some of them, in heaven. You're going to know, who are you? And you're like, I'm so-and-so from this stage of life. And you're going to be like, wow, so how did you come to faith? They're like, I didn't come to faith. I just tried to live the way my inner heart thought I should live. You're going to be like, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> well, let me tell you about my story. You know, and it's going to be interesting as we meet these people from all stages of life. Now, the thing that convicts me, I just want to be real. Can I be real, church? Amen. How many of you always do what's right in your heart? <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I don't know how many of these people are going to come to faith. I don't know how many of these people, because I'm certainly not one of them. I know the word of God, and I know what's right, and I still mess up. But I remember being, not knowing one word of God's word, but knowing what I did was wrong. Do you remember that, church? When you knew, after getting drunk at a party, you knew that it was wrong. No one told you. People were high-fiving you, actually. People would go, dude, that was so funny, and you're inside. You laugh. But then in your silent moment, you realize, I sinned against the Lord. You didn't say it like that. 
You didn't say it like that, but you knew it like that. And it's because God put his image in us. All of us have a moral compass that shows us the right way. That's why Paul said the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And so I have a hard time thinking, oh, let's just leave people who don't have the word of God alone. They'll be saved. And can anyone say, you know, people say, what if someone's in a desert island, doesn't have a Bible? I've gotten that question about a thousand times. I just want to be open. What about the people in Africa? I love that question. What about the people in Africa who don't have the word of God? I answer back, dude, they know the word of God better than you do. Please. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) What about the person on the desert island? First of all, what's the guy doing on a desert island? Doesn't he have a cell phone? He can call somebody. You know what I mean? Like, who are these people you're talking about? But if there are people you're talking about, these people that really are there, what about in Papua New Guinea? I'm like, so many people have gone to Papua New Guinea. Andy Fleming went to Papua New Guinea. We know he preached the word there. Is there any place in the world, in this moment in time, with the information stage that we have, where we can say the, the law of Christ is not among them? I don't think there is. And that's why we need to get to all the nations. Because everybody has the law of Christ. Amen? So, there's a lot to talk about here, but basically he's saying a Jewish person is a Jew first, inwardly. Let's move on. Verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. We have already made the charge of the Jew and Gentile. Are like under the power of sin. As is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All have together become worthless. I learned that word worthless in Greek means spoiled, like milk. Dang. What do you do with spoiled milk? That's what we've become without Christ. Spoiled milk. Even smelling it. Gross. There was no one who does good, not even one. What? What about Oprah? (laughs) Doesn't she do good? She gives out all those like cool things on her TV show. No one who does good. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced. And the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, there will be no one who will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His precious blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in forbearance He left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 
He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires, what's it say, church? Faith. For we maintain the person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes. And the church says amen. Of the Gentiles too. God loves Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who justifies the circumcised by faith and uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the law by, his faith, by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. A lot to say here, but I just want to keep it real simple. No one is going to get to heaven <coughs> by themselves. No one's getting to heaven by themselves. No one. No one's declared righteous. What Paul does here is he takes all these Old Testament scriptures and puts them together. And this is what a lot of Jewish teachers used to do. It was called stringing pearls. It's kind of a beautiful way to think about it. And I never thought about teaching this way, but it's kind of a cool thing to think about, is taking parts of the Bible that in context speak about something and put them together to describe a truth. Like stringing pearls. Like every scripture is like a pearl. Amen? Amen? And when you put them together like Paul did, he described our sinful state. It's pretty intense. These are all scriptures in the Bible. If you look there, you'll see Psalms. You know, you'll see Isaiah. You'll see all these different scriptures. And he did this in such a beautiful way. And what's more convicting, he did it by memory, I think. <sighs> Talk about knowing your Bible, right? I can't even do that with the Proverbs. You're like, where's that Proverbs on advice? <laughs> Paul could go boom, 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 boom. You're like, man, I got to get there, Lord. Help me. Help me do that. But no one's going to declare all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I think this is where we've heard this so many times, haven't we? Maybe it's the first time you're hearing this, but... I remember reading Romans really for the first time. I read Romans like four times already at that point in time. You know how it is. You're reading through the Bible and you're like, I'm just going to try to figure out what, what's it? I took one thing from this chapter. Great. You know, and just move on. But I studied the book of Romans for the first time. And it struck me so deeply in my heart. I need Jesus even now. Desperately. Every day I'm justified freely by his grace. Every day. And when people, I share my faith often and, and, and I try to, uh, and, I, and I basically talk to people and they say one thing to me, that I, I got to come back with a better answer. They say I'm all set. Thank you. I really, I'm really excited about what you're doing. I love that. You know, thank you. Really great that you're out there spreading the word. But I'm all set. And I said, well, have you actually made Jesus Lord of your life? They look at me like, what's that mean? And they say, no, I, I, went, to, I went to Catholic school and I heard all about it. No, you haven't. You haven't heard all about it. You definitely haven't heard all about it. You definitely haven't heard about it. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. 
he, they won't give me that time probably. And I would freak them out if I did that. <laughs> and nor do I do that. And I have to be shrewd, as the Bible says. But I get sick of being shrewd. I want to say, you are lost. You are sin. You fall short of the glory of God. Don't think you're going to be good. Because if these Jewish people that followed 613 laws and tried to do it meticulously, they were much more righteous than you, are lost and not right with God. You certainly, Gentile, are totally lost before God. The curtain is up, the wall is up, the brick wall is up. There is construction workers putting bricks and bricks and bricks every day of your life because the sin that's in your life. But there's good news. And this is what made me want to be an evangelist. I said, you know what? I have to make it my full-time business to tell people about Jesus Christ. And this is, what, this is why we share our faith, church. We share our faith because all have sinned. We share our faith, church, because no one will be declared righteous before God. We share our faith with our friends and we say, would you like to come to church? It's such a loaded statement, isn't it? Would you like to come to church? I don't even care if people come to church. Uh, You got that on video, you got that on audio, but... (laughs) Like, your bum being in Luther Bonnie's seat right now means nothing if the wall of sin doesn't get knocked down in your life. I want people to know the justification. And we'll talk about this next week in a deeper way. But the justification that comes by faith. And I just want to give you a preview. Amen? A little teaser. Think that teaser for Endgame was good? What about the teaser for justification by faith? What's it say here? Verse 24. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm so glad that there's a comma in verse 24. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. Hey, let's go home. That would stink, huh? And that's the end of it, folks. We're all lost. God's so righteous we can't even see him. All are justified freely. I love being things that are free. Don't you love things that are free? Wait, is that, is that you know... Is that food free? <laughs> I always ask that. Yes, it is. Oh, wow. Okay, great. You go into John's, you know, pizza place. He's not going to be like, hey, John, is that pizza for free? He's like, no, 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 no. It's not free. But justification is free. Amen? amen. Because of what Jesus paid on the cross. Redemption. <clears throat> Redemption is a slave term. It's a word that was used when you were to buy a slave back from being a slave and make him a free man. You paid the redemption price for that slave. And they were released from being slaves. Jesus paid with his blood so that you could stop being a slave to sin. And so that we could be justified. And and church, we know what this word justified means. What's it mean? I'm going to ask Lenny. What's it mean, Lenny? That's a good way to say it. It's a law term. It's a law term. It's, it, it, was, it was meant to be, it's actually used today in courts all over the, the nation. If someone is justified, if someone is proclaimed not guilty, as if they have not even committed the crime, stricken from their record, 
they are not guilty, never to be tried again for that crime. That's fired up, right? You know, when OJ got off, he was justified because of that glove. You know, and, and I'm not here to talk about OJ, but I'm just here to say if he did do it, he can never be tried again for it. And we go, that's a terrible thing, right? And in some ways it is, if he's guilty. But it's a great thing for us. Because we know we're guilty. We know we're guilty. We know we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet God gives us a chance to be proclaimed not guilty. Satan can never bring up the sins of your past, church. It won't even be... uh, won't even be looked at by the judge. It won't even, it'll be thrown out of court because of the justification that came through faith in Jesus Christ. All can be justified. And this is what's so encouraging. All sin and fall short of the glory. That's the bad news. But the good news is all can be justified freely by his grace. I just want you to think about the fact that you're justified this week. I want you to meditate on that. I want you to remember, Christian, that you no longer can be accused by the, the accuser, Satan, who accuses day and night. If you have become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, if you have had faith in Jesus and repented of your sins and been baptized, if you are not, if you haven't done that yet, I have good news for you. You can be justified. You can be justified freely by the grace of God. This is the truth of Scripture, guys. I'm, don't hate the messenger, right? Love the messenger. I just told you you can be justified. But the truth is, it's, it's, a, it's a chilling tale, Romans 2 and 3. It's a chilling tale. And I want you to read it again, if you can, this week. And think about the fact that when someone says, I'm all set... They're not all set. Imagine if you just said back, your throat's an open grave. You know, I mean, that would be probably not go well. Don't suggest doing that. But maybe that's something you can meditate on. That people aren't all set. And maybe sometimes you can say, hey, I wonder if you might be wrong about being all set. I wonder if you would give me a time over coffee to talk about my life and why I didn't believe I was all set. Why I saw, I used to think I was set, but now I realize I wasn't all set. There was something I was missing. Would you like to sit down and talk about that? That might be a good place to start. But the encouragement is that we all justified. And we want to go into a great, book, a great chapter in Romans 4. And I just want to think about the fact that we uphold the law when we follow Jesus. Amen. It says we fulfill the law by following the law of faith. And I think what's amazing is now I have a different motivation for being righteous. I don't, I'm not righteous because I'm afraid that I'm not going to make it to heaven. I can be justified. I'm justified. I know that. I'm righteous now because I love someone who justified me. Because God's kindness has led me to repentance. 
And God's kindness has led you as well. All have sinned and all can be justified. Amen.